Hello, Jeff. Yes. Oh yeah, actually, there's night tonight. Yeah, smashing pal. Brilliant. So we start at the start. How, how did you first get involved in uh, officiating and, and refereeing? Well, I started refereeing really by accident. Um, I wasn't the greatest footballer on earth, which is possibly the biggest understatement you're ever going to hear. Um, and somebody encouraged me to take a referee's course and went into it with no aspirations. And pretty soon after I started, enjoyed it. And um, then started on the long road from, you know, refereeing the pub teams on a Sunday, the junior teams on a weekend, and um, progressed onward and upward through the northeast of England to, to the national stage. It was sort of a long, a long road. It took me, I think, um, about seven years from starting refereeing to get into the st- starting the professional game, yeah. um, which in those days was pretty rapid. Um, nowadays, they do try to fast track people. But, um, you know, like anything in life, I think the more experience you get on the ladder, the better you are when you get to, when you get your chance to get to the top. But um, it, when I started, I didn't think that 25 years later it would end by refereeing the FA Cup final because, you know, I just did it as a, a pastime to keep fit at the beginning and yeah. um, be involved with football. Um, and then... You know, once you start it, it's like I suppose a lot of things in life, you get the taste for it, and um, it pretty much took over my life for the next quarter of the century. And obviously, not a, not an easy job in terms of you know a boost and stick from the fans and whatever. I suppose even at even at pub level, I suppose there was some of that. Was there any any thought of packing it in early doors or just grow a thick skin and get on with it? Sort of thing? No, on many occasions. I mean, to be quite honest, it's far harder refereeing in the local leagues or even junior football where yeah. the parents are probably the most uh, aggressive uh, football supporters you could come up against and on many an occasion you thought of wrapping in and um, unfortunately a lot of people do that they start, they take the exams they get the kit, they start refereeing on the parks and gardens it's probably Premier League and there's 70,000 people there and they're singing you know what they're singing um, it's just a noise but when you're in, in a, the local leagues, the people who were shouting abuse, you've actually got to walk past them to get back to your car or get back yeah. in your changing room. So it sort of just toughen you up a little bit. But, um, you know, many, many occasions I thought, well, shall I wrap in? Fortunately, I stuck at it. Otherwise, you know, I'd never have got to the, the levels that I did get to. Yeah. You mentioned the FA Cup final, the final game. Was that, was that the highlight? I think um, <coughs> in terms of achievement, yeah, I mean, there's only one referee a year gets the FA Cup final and, you know, not many actually achieve that distinction. So in terms of the biggest game of my career, then most definitely it was. But, you know, I just like refereeing. Um, yeah. Even when I was on the Premier League, I used to still do youth games and local league games if I ever got any spare weekends. Um and, you know, I was involved in as a referee and assistant referee in over 2,000 games through my career. So, you know, I think it's a bit unfair to sort of just say one. it was all about one game. That was yeah. a highlight, but along, you know, some of the funniest stories are actually in local league football and on the way up. Um, but, you know, th- there was many highlights. Um, 
And, you know, for all the times you felt like walking away, for all the times that you got slagged off in the press and, you know, you were given what you felt was a, a rough ride, um, there were many more days where, you know, the job was very satisfying and there was more good days than bad, certainly. Obviously, you're a Middlesbrough promoter. Uh, was any any truth in the rumours you were set for the the League Cup final in that same year, 2004? Well, alleged, final? allegedly, I was going to. If Middlesbrough hadn't have got to the final, yeah. I would have got the Carling Cup final. So I won both ways, if you think about it. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, if, if I'd been given the choice, I was a football fan before I started refereeing. Yeah. I'm a football fan after I finished refereeing and. And Middlesbrough getting to the final and winning the first trophy, um, I'd have always took that over anything that I would achieve personally. So the fact that Middlesbrough got to the final, won the final, uh, and later on that year, with the greatest respect, I got a bigger game yeah. in, the, in the FA Cup final. Uh, that was um, um, a very good three months in my life because, um, you know, I think I, I got the best of both deals. Uh, on to the common standard of, of the referee now. What's your opinions on that? Now, has it gone down in well, standards, do you think? Or? I think it's very difficult because we still have some excellent referees. You know, yeah. there's referees like young Michael Oliver, who yeah. a couple of weeks ago refereed the Manchester United Arsenal game and was absolutely superb from first to last. And we have other top referees. Now, that doesn't mean to say they can't have a bad game. It doesn't mean to say they can't make... Um, a poor decision every now and again but um, it's 11 years now since I retired and I honestly think the game has got far more difficult mm. it's got even faster um, you know I think at times the game is played by athletes rather than footballers yeah. and you know no referee even the fittest referee can keep up with the pace of a ball that's punted 30-40 yards you know, he's, he's up with play on the halfway line and the ball's kicked 30, 40 yards forward. Um, you're saying Bolt, Bolt couldn't be in a good position. Um, so, you know, you're always coming from behind play and you also have the situation now that the players have got even better at feigning injury and feigning, um, you know, and diving in the penalty area, simulation as, as they, they call it in posh terms cheating I think is the more basic term to call yeah. it but you know it's become much more difficult you know I watch games on the television now and you need to watch them three or four times you know the incident from different angles before you can make a decision the referee on the pitch obviously can't do that so I think the game's got faster it's got more difficult we do have some very good referees but at present I think a lot of them are um seem to be lacking a little bit in confidence um, that doesn't surprise me because at times they get little or no um, support from the authorities yeah. you know if the authorities were interested in cutting out on diving then they'd do something about it and you know I think retrospective punishment should be brought in people say well that undermines the referee but you know if retrospective punishment leads to players behaving better then that makes the referee's job easier. But, you know, we live in a world now where everybody wants um, uh, recriminations, whether it be, you know, things nothing at all to do with football in public life. Everybody wants a scapegoat. Everybody wants a mug. 
and referees present themselves as, as easy targets and um, it's not surprising at times some of them do appear to be lacking in confidence they, they need to be stronger you know in my day if you were a strong referee you got respect you weren't perfect you still made mistakes but in general terms you did get respect the refs who the players and the managers knew they couldn't take liberties with Nowadays, quite often you see referees who look like sort of, um, you know, rabbits in the in the headlights. Yeah. To be quite honest, and um, the media um, is very cruel. Uh, everybody's an expert now, and and that's not just about refereeing. You know, there's people in the stands that have played football manager, and they think they're better than Fergie. You know, yeah. everybody's a better player than Wayne Rooney and Stephen mm-hmm. Gerrard, and everybody's most certainly a better referee than the refs out there on the pitch so I think in some respects even though I would do it all again um, you know given the opportunity I think it was easier in our day you could have a bit of banter with the players a bit of crack you didn't necessarily have to be throwing red and yellow cards around every five minutes yeah nowadays it seems as if it's usually the only way for them to keep control and you know then you see two fairly soft yellows and the players dismissed and that's not good for the game it's not good for the, the spectators and you know when that happens it's no wonder the referees get criticism yeah another talking point then obviously with the, with the, obviously you're saying that no one's perfect the mistakes being made is it and the money involved is it a case of video technology if or when sort of thing <coughs> Well, I have, you know, only recently UEFA have come out and categorically stated that video technology will not happen. But, um, you know, the the, the more errors that are perceived to be in high-profile matches, then the greater the clamour will be for it. And, you know, goal line technology was excellent. It was long overdue. We've seen how good it is. And, you know, that's on a matter of fact. If a ball has gone over the line or not, is it a goal, isn't it a goal? And I think the one thing using video technology on the goal line has proved how difficult it was because you see some of them where you're talking about centimetres and, you know, they were expecting an assistant referee from 40 yards to get them right on every occasion. And, you know, some of it virtually had to be guesswork. But that is a matter of fact, you know, when you're talking about penalties, offsides and everything else, they're matters of opinion. Now, I just don't see, and we've got to try it, I suppose, at some stage, at some level, um, otherwise we'll never know. But, you know, I don't see in a fast-flowing game of football how video technology can be used effectively because... You know, the game has got to be allowed to continue. You can't stop the game and and look for an offside, look for a penalty, look for a handball, whatever. But if the game does proceed, you know, while someone is looking at the incident in the stand, ten seconds later the ball can be at the other end of the field in the back of the net. Then you could have a farcical situation of a goal being chalked off, going back to the other end of the field to give a penalty and... You know, and still people won't be happy because, let's be honest, most of us that watch football, we're not really interested in what's right and wrong. We're interested in our team winning. And, you know, you boo the referee if he gives a free kick against your side. 
you applaud him if he gives one for your side and that's always been the case and I think always will be the case and you know with the, the talking about um, managers getting up two appeals a game or two appeals a half and you know I, I just got a funny old feeling that if you t- if you sanitise football if you take away the talking points and the incidents you know you are killing the game and people will say, oh, there's so much money in the game now. Um, decisions, matches are lost on referees' decisions. I can tell you now, categorically, that players make far more mistakes in a game of football than a referee does. Yeah. And, OK, there might be an offside goal that means the score's 2-1 instead of, you know, 1-1. But during the course of the 90 minutes... How many errors have players made? How many times should a player have scored and missed the target? Um, you know, or any any number of occurrences during a game of football could change the course of action of that game far more significantly than one decision in 90 minutes from a referee. Um, but people will, will never have that. You know, I'm banging my head up against a brick wall trying to argue that point. Yeah. Um, and it's a very difficult point to argue when it's 1-1 and a decision is in the 90th minute that is later suggested to be wrong or even proved to be wrong. But, you know, taking the game of football and the officiating from the pitch into the stands, all you're doing is transferring the decision to someone else. And as we've seen in, in other sports, rugby being a perfect example, sometimes the video refs got it, got it wrong. Because they, you know, if it's a clear-cut decision, and some of them are, yes, it could be assessed, looked at, and the answer could come back in a few seconds. But if, as we see from Rugby League, sometimes, you know, we're talking about 20, 30, 40 seconds even longer. Now, the fans of other sports, perhaps they... Um, can be, you know, have been educated to wait that long for decisions. I'm not sure football supporters are that patient. Um, I just don't know how it would work in football. And, you know, until we try it, we'll never know. But I am a little bit sceptical. I think there are other ways. Match officials definitely need assistance. But I think there are other ways that help could be afforded to them rather than, you know, going all out into video technology. Back onto yourself then, you uh, brought a book out after you finished. Uh, what was the, the thing you're going at? Did you always, always have that in, the, in your head to bring a book out or is this the opportunity? No, no I mean it was, um, you know, there's some people like to have a book um, more or less out there to say that you've got a book. Um, it was purely financial for me. It was a business. It was a business venture. I had no ego that said, you know, I want, I have to have an autobiography. It was just yeah. when I finished, a few people suggested, and then um, fortunately someone did get in touch with me, um, and we brought one out. And initially, the the, the thoughts were, well, perhaps um, most people that have done books, certainly the refereeing fraternity, the few that have done. It's just about their career at the very top flight and top level. What I decided to do with mine was start from the beginning, being a football fan with the problems in the um, 70s on the terraces, um, 
my stories of my um, progression through non-league football because as I say some of the there's a lot more people can relate to non-league football having played it um, than perhaps some of the stories from the professional game yeah. but um, you know the, the book's been out a long time now it was, it was very successful in in the early days and then when normally a book has been out a year or so unless you're talking about you know a, a major book from a major celebrity or something um, they tend to just fade away you get them in Amazon or somewhere like that but with me continuing on the after dinner speaking circuits um then there's still a demand for them whenever you appear. So um, the sales tally keeps going up, um, which is which is fortunate. But it, it was good fun writing it. Um, looking back over your career at at some of the highlights, some of the low low spells, and also some of the the characters and amusing um, things that happen. Um, because it's not all dull and boring being a referee. There's certainly some um, certainly some moments to uh, to look back on. And you touched on uh, what you're doing now. You're after dinner speaking. I see you do a bit of bit of radio, a bit of TV. Obviously, your own website. You enjoy all the media side of things. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, I had the option when I finished retiring. Well, it's when I finished refereeing and retired from the active game to do what most referees do, um, and that's become a, a match assessor, and you know, go and watch the the pro games of um, up and coming referees and the present crop of referees, but. The politics within the game um, just didn't appeal to me, to be quite honest, after a relatively short time. And for a while, I, I did quite a lot of TV um, work, um, you know, mostly when incidents had happened in games, because they never, they never phone you up and want you to come on when a referee's had a good game. They only want you to discuss, you know, controversial incidents. But I, I worked on local radio for a fair few years until... Um, the money ran out in local radio, to be quite honest, and um, most um, most of the networks um, of commercial radio stations are now, you know, music rather than sports. But that was great fun, and I was covering not only my hometown team, Middlesbrough, but also Darlington and Hartlepool for the, for the local radio stations, and really, really did enjoy that. But um, um, in later years, it's been solely the after dinner speaking, um, watching a lot of horse racing and watching a lot of football. I, I rarely miss a Middlesbrough game, home or away. I get to a lot of Rangers games up in Scotland, and you know if there's a free time, I'm, I quite often go and watch Hartlepool or, or you know one of the non-league games. So I'm um, I'm fortunate, coupled with looking after my grandson, which is probably the best part of my life. Um, I get the, I've gone back to being a fan. So, in terms of the uh, football, it's gone um, full circle from, you know, starting off watching from the terraces, um, going through the professional game as as a referee, and now going back to where I started watching football. And um, I can't think of many things better to do come a Saturday afternoon. To be quite honest. Well, lastly, then we touched on Middlesbrough. Obviously, got to be pleased with their season. Do you think they can hold on and? Uh, that clean the top two space? Well, to be quite honest, this um, championship, it's, I mean, Middlesbrough could have been clear, done and dusted yeah. by now, but then yeah. so could a lot of the other teams. The results that keep churning out week after week, there's just, uh, there's just a surprise every week. So yeah. um, I've got a funny feeling it's going to go up the wire. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to be in the playoffs 
fantastic if you win them day out at Wembley and the euphoria it's almost like winning a, a cup final but um, I think my nerves would be shot and um, you know we've still when you look at the fixtures coming up the top teams are playing each other so anything can happen um, but I've, I've supported, supported Middlesbrough now for nine on 50 years so until they've actually won promotion or won the playoff final, I won't start celebrating because, um, you know, in this division, you, you know, we, we, we beat two of the top six teams and then lost to Bournemouth, who um, are an exceptionally good side, um, you know, fast, pacey, um, and score goals for fun. And, you know, if we'd have won that game, we'd have been five points clear of third place. We didn't, and now we're back in in the um, in the melee for points. So you know you can win two and think, well, that's it. We're doing great. You lose your next one, and all of a sudden the pack are closing on you. So um, my my heart says yes, we will do it, but my head says let's just wait till the end of the season and uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Right, well that's that's brilliant, that is, Jeff. Thank you very much for talking to me. No problem. Thank you very much. Have a nice night now. Cheers, mate. Same to you.